0: The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracetysd.com.
1: When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this scripture and the truth that it holds. I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us this morning through Pastor Randall. Give us clarity of mind and heart and the ability to understand this truth. Because Lord, you are the truth. And so would you instill in us today a desire to live out this truth? Motivate us in every way to serve you, Uh, in every area of our lives in such a way that others will see you in us. Empower Pastor Randall now uh, as he teaches us from the living word. And it's in the strong name of Jesus that I pray this prayer. Amen. Hey,
0: good morning, church family. Uh, It's just an encouragement to be with you this morning, to share God's word together uh, I know this is not an easy time. And so even as parents, uh, just being home on Sundays, kind of wrangling the kids, trying to do a church service, it's not easy. So, you know, just the flexibility I've seen in, in our church family has been uh, just a blessing. Uh, being able to be on last week and the city group leaders that uh, love you all so much and that are really pouring in right now. Uh, I just want to give you guys a shout out. Uh but yeah, we are in this and uh we, we love you and just thank you for all the sacrifices that everyone's making uh each week. Uh so as we continue, we're gonna be working through this series called Praying the Psalms. And today we are in Psalm 126. Um I love this passage of scripture because it's real, it's honest and it helps us to work through some of the, the realities that we're even facing right now. Uh, so the message today is praying through our tears and disappointments. Now, before we start, what, what is it that separates you and I from the rest of creation? Well, we see that God back in Genesis, uh, he, he creates us in His image, right? He creates us from the dust, and and it says that He breathes life into us. Um, And so you and I are are made in the Imago Dei, the image of God. And we are different than the rest of His creation. But as we think more deeply upon that, one of the things that separates us also is is the tears and disappointments that we face. Now, here's the thing. We, We don't see animals moping around and lamenting right now about the season that we're in, do you? I mean, they're not upset about the issues in the world, but we are. We're we're different. God created us differently. Beth Levin, in a Huffington Post article uh, entitled, Five Reasons Crying is Actually Good for You, uh, says this, she says, there are three kinds of tears, reflexive, continuous, and emotional She said, did did you know that humans are the only animals who can do the third one? This fact has led many scientists to ask why. You see, as Christians, we know why. We're not animals. We are God's creations created in his image. And so as image bearers of God, how do we deal with the disappointments Of life in the Psalms God gives us tools in which we can engage some of those disappointments and the Psalms teach us how to live and so let me ask how do you deal with your emotions we've asked that throughout this series for some of us naturally we stuff them for me I'm more of an internal processor And so I like to think about things and not really share a whole lot, but really process inside. For others of us, you might be another type the ones who spread them. And so you're more of an external processor and you like to take your thoughts and ideas to social media and other platforms like that. But what we find is that that can cause collateral damage along the way. See, either of these, just stuffing them inside and acting like they're not there or spreading them out into the world we need to ask God, where's the wisdom? How do we engage this? And so what the Psalms encourage us to do is to pray, to pray them, to pour out and process our emotions before God and, and talking specifically about prayer in the Psalms, it engages some of the deepest places in our lives. In his book, Answering God, Eugene Peterson says, we will not be looking here primarily for ideas about God, or for direction in moral conduct. We will expect rather to find the experience of being human before God exposed and sharpened. Prayer is language used in personal relation to God. You see, today we are talking about praying our tears and disappointments. And what we need more than anything is to have a safe place to do that. For the Psalms, there are different types of Psalms. Out of the 150 Psalms, there are more lamentations, weeping and tears than any other kind. And so I wanna engage just quickly a myth today because as I talk about tears, some of the guys today are starting to check out. Well, that doesn't really relate to me. Guys don't cry, all of those things. But let me encourage you, the Psalms were written by men. Dr. Orloff, clinical professor of psychiatry at UCLA says, try to let go of outmoded, untrue conceptions about crying. It is good to cry, it is healthy to cry, and that's true for men and women. See, as I've grown in my faith, the more I've been open to the tears that come. So becoming a person of faith may cause you to weep more than you ever have before. You say, well, why is that? Well, when God changes you, you become more like Jesus. And what we find in scripture is that it simply says, Jesus wept because he gives you a new heart. He gives you a new heart. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. See, Isaiah 53, 3 says that Jesus was a man of sorrows. And when God changes you, you become a new person. You're not the old person that you were before. The truth is that God makes your heart and my heart more of a heart. And so today, we're going to look at Psalm 126. Well, and we need to ask, what is happening in this text? Now, we don't know the exact historical circumstances, but we do know this, that this is someone coming desperately to God, praying their disappointment. And this is a part of what is called a song of ascent, And so these are 15 chapters through the book of Psalms that that really help us to engage some of the difficulties and trials of life. And in this text, we learn how to pray our tears and disappointments. And so there are three truths from today's text that we must embrace when praying our tears. The first one is that, number one, tears will come. Number two is tears have purpose and number three, tears produce joy. Tears will come, tears have purpose, tears produce joy. So the first one is, tears will come. Look at verses one through four. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Now what we see in verses one through three is that there's this this reminiscing that the writer is doing about, about the old days, really what we would call the glory days. See, there was a season in the writer's life that has come to an end. It's over. It's done. The dream of the past has died. He's being honest. He's deeply disappointed. See, do you see a lot of the the verbiage is past tense? Now, let's be honest. Many of us have felt like this. And if you haven't felt it yet, well, just just wait, right? We're we're in a season of that, where we're having to engage the, the reality that The past that we had before isn't coming back anytime soon. And so how do we engage that? See, there are seasons in life where friends move. We go to a new city. Financial troubles come. New job comes or an old job comes to an end. Relationships fall apart. Kids grow up. One of the songs that illustrates this over the years is is a song that it's an old song "Cats in the Cradle" by Cat Stevens. I remember I was listening one week to the radio and that song came on and if you don't know that song, it's it's basically talking about this dad who is reminiscing about his life, about his season as a father that he'd missed out on, about how his son had Had grown up so fast. And I remember listening to that song and and, and looking in the back seat and seeing that my son was right back there as I was listening to it and getting really emotional about that, knowing that that season was going to be temporary. And even now having a 10 year old and an eight year old and a six year old, knowing that they're not going to stay that way forever. And so right now, being present in the moment, knowing that things are changing around us, how do we engage that? What do we do with that? The psalmist is bringing it to God. And from this acknowledgement about life comes verse four. It says, restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Now, this is a prayer for God's help. We, we want that old life back. See, the, the Negeb is going through a major dry season spiritually because he's so stuck on wanting to be in the past, wanting it to be like it used to be. Verses one through three are so descriptive, right? You, you, can, you can see the vision so tangibly that you can, you can touch it. That's how the psalmist is feeling. And when things aren't going well, our first thought is this, what have I done to deserve this? Why am I going through this season right now? See in this text, what's interesting is there, there's no confession of some deep, dark sin, right? So some reason of, of, here's the things I've done. This is why I'm going through this really rough patch. There, there's none of that. And, and for many of us, we, we think that we, we, we think that life is kind of like karma, right? We just think, well, I have to be going through a difficult season because of something that I've done. But, but as Christians, we know that we live in a fallen world and there are going to be seasons like this. See, we're, we're, as Christians, we're not prepared for that many times. Or maybe we're never told that that you will go through really rough times. But, 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 but it's not because you've done anything bad or there's some deep, dark sin. It's just we live in the fallenness of this life and this world. Life is hard, times change. And this is a person who is deeply grieved about that. And so I wanna to say today, it's, it's okay to grieve life-changing seasons, having those moments of dryness, like it's gonna happen. It happened in the life of the Psalmist and it will happen in our lives as Christians. Herman Gunkel, a definitive scholar on the Psalm says, the prayer of complaint was the backbone of the Psalter. The prayer of complaint. And so again, where is he taking his complaints? He's taking them to the Lord. And when that happens, eventually the tears will come and that's okay. But what do you do when they come? Well, the second point is tears have purpose. Look at verse five. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. Those who sow in tears. See, well, disappointments, and tears will come, but there is a purpose to them. The psalmist encourages us to sow them, to sow them. So, so the visual that we get here is like a farmer who has seeds. And these seeds are, are the tears that, that we have, right? And so he's saying, take these seeds and start to plant them. Where is the best place to plant our Tears. In the hands of God, in the hands of God. You see, because as we take those tears and those disappointments to God and we start to plant them, what happens is that God knows how it will grow in your life. See, you and I have a choice of what we're gonna do with our tears. You can intentionally sow your tears into God's hands and say, God, you know better than I do, or we can waste them. We can waste our tears. You see, wasting our tears is not growing from the situation that we're in. Getting back into the same situation again. Right, God as a good father wants us to grow. So he says, come to him and bring those tears and disappointments and you can find purpose in it. The last point his tears produce joy. Verse six says, he who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Now, let's look at the beginning of, of verse six. It says, he who goes out weeping. Now, this is somebody who's who's still saddened, disappointed, but They go out into the world still. You see, even though there are tears, there are disappointments, life must continue. I love this quote from John Piper. He says, Occasionally, weep deeply over the life you hoped would be, grieve the losses, then wash your face, trust God, and embrace the life you have. You and I have things in life that we can't change the only one that we can go to in those seasons, in those times and trust is God. And so what does it look like to truly embrace the life that God has given us and acknowledge it and say, yes, this is difficult and this is hard, but know that he is still good. Because it says next, shall come home with shouts of joy the kind of joy that you and I need is only produced through our tears, through through facing our disappointments and coming honestly to God and letting Him transform them. Here's the hope that we have, that there will be joy at the end of the tunnel. Right, that there will be joy at the end. God God promises as as we bring our tears to Him that we will return with joy. And so will you take those tears and disappointments to Him? Just quickly some takeaways. Look for this as you pray. First one is this, see that it's safe. See that it's safe. God knows how we speak when we are desperate, doesn't he? He knows how we speak. You don't have to have this perfect prayer for him to hear you. And some of you are new Christians and you're wondering, do I have to have this perfectly crafted prayer? But God knows, ultimately he knows our emotions, he knows our tears, he knows what we're going through. And you can bring those things into his presence and you can filter them with God. Here's the beautiful thing. He's not a God of karma giving us what we say we we should deserve, right? He doesn't give us what we deserve, but He gives us what we don't deserve. He's a God of grace, and He's a God who hears us. And so will you come to Him today in in that space? Secondly, see Jesus weeping. Here's the thing. As Jesus is on the cross as Jesus is facing abandonment, loss, he's receiving what we deserve. It says that Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross for us in Hebrews. And so today, do you know that as Jesus looked at the cross in all of the difficulty that he was gonna face, that there was joy on the other side because he saw you and he saw me. That's the love of God. And so do you see Jesus weeping? Third, third, see the danger of self-pity. See, in these difficult seasons, what happens is the idea of, self and, and, and I need to live for myself and just protect myself comes in very clearly, right? It's that voice that we just want to listen to. I just need it to be about me, 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 me. I confess, I have been through seasons of self-pity and, and God has graciously shown me, hey, Randall, it's not like you thought it was. And he shows me his love and his grace in those places. And God does the same thing for you as you bring those things to him. Because here's the truth. We are more loved and protected than we will ever know. Than we will ever know. Than self could ever protect itself. God protects us better. What happens is self-pity starts to wash away as we come before Jesus in prayer. Self-absorption, You know where that dies? It dies at the cross. And so will we bring our disappointments, tears, and even times of self-pity before Jesus? Because we can lay those things at the cross before him. Number four, see that joy is coming. Again, this quote from Eugene Peterson, he says, the end of prayer is praise. The Psalms show praise as the end of prayer. The goal at which all the psalm Prayers arrive after their long travels through the unmapped back countries of pain, doubt, and trouble with only occasional vistas of the sunlit lands along the way. Here's the thing. Life is hard, but joy is coming. And it, it comes through God Himself. That's our joy. It's Him. And so will we take this season that we're in right now to reflect and allow God to sow seeds of renewal in our hearts. See, here's the thing. I don't want to be the same person after this season that I was before. I want to be deeper in my relationship with God. I want to grow closer to Jesus. Right? And that doesn't come easily. And so Do we know that joy is coming and that our our greatest joy can come through God? You know, the beautiful thing about the Psalms is the Psalms start, number one, with with preparing our hearts for prayer. And then then you see this whole journey through the Psalms. But at the end, the last four chapters are all praise. They are praise. Out of the 150 Psalms, right, you journey through it all and you get to this season of praise. Praise. That's joy. See, sometimes, let's be honest, there, there, there's this fear that if we start crying, we, we may never stop. If we start grieving, truly grieving, we may never stop. But God promises us that he's there with us. And he's not on the other side, right, judging us or condemning us because Jesus was condemned for us. No, he's right there next to us walking through life with us, because He is Emmanuel, God with us. Lastly, see that it's not in vain. See that it's not in vain. See that your life is not in vain. Your tears, your disappointments are not in vain because this could be the very thing that God uses to help change not only you, but also work through you to help other people to help other people that are struggling. See, here's the beauty of the gospel. Jesus shows us on the cross that what the the world saw as, as truly the greatest disappointment, right? People looked at the cross and thought that Jesus was just disappointing and that as he dies, he's just a great failure and disappointment. That's the view of the world. As as they looked at Jesus on the cross, what they would have labeled as the greatest disappointment became the greatest victory the world has ever seen. Right, right, The, the tears that the disciples cried as they were at the tomb of Jesus were brought to great joy because of the resurrection. And so do you know that the, that is the hope of the gospel, friends? That is the hope that we have in Jesus. That we can take some of the greatest failures and disappointments and things that we've just really struggled with in life and that God can do something better. He can resurrect things in our life that, that would have never been possible on our strength or our ability. And so today, will we take our hurts and pains to him and really take this whole season right as a church family and say Lord this is all yours it's all yours and that we grow closer in a relationship with him through it all I believe that's the greatest gift that we could have let's pray Jesus thank you for all things that you do in this world nothing is outside of your sovereign hand and we come to you as our Lord. We, we come to you as the one who knows more than we do. And we acknowledge Lord that many times we don't come to you with our issues. We don't come to you with our problems. We don't come to you with our thoughts, but we, we either stuff them deep inside and get really upset about it, or we take it out to others and again, just stir the pot and get really upset. Lord, we want to bring everything to you. We want to be a church that prays. We want to be a church that is close with you and that knows you and loves you deeply. And so help us, Lord, through every season of life that we face and help us to come out on the other side with great shouts of joy, knowing that you love us and that you're with us and that we are your people. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at GrayCitySd.com. Gray City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.